0: For me, it's drawing this line and having this distinction of, I create content for YouTube, but I'm not a YouTube content creator. And I hope that makes sense. What's up, my friends? Mike Robertson here. Welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. A little bit different episode today. If you're listening at home, obviously you can listen and follow along per usual. But if you are watching on the YouTubes, I am going to basically take you step by step through my annual goal setting and planning process. Really excited to share some of this stuff with you. Definitely a a nice mix. I think we're going to talk about just general goals and aspirations I have for myself, my businesses. And then just, again, I don't think a lot of times people really give you this level of depth, this level of insight, and some of the stories and the thought processes and the whys behind they're doing things. It's great to aspire to have a 100,000 YouTube followers or 50,000 podcast listeners. All that stuff's great, but really getting a little bit deeper and diving into the why do you want to achieve certain goals? Why do you want to get more out of certain areas of your life? And I think that's what we're going to focus on and talk about here today. So without any further ado, I'm on a time crunch. We have people to coach. We have things to do today. So let's dive in. And as promised, I'm just going to share my screen with you and we're going to dive in and talk about the goals that I have and what I want to focus on in 2024. So Let's start over here. Let's just start with some overarching themes. And Let me go ahead and say this now. If you're looking for this really tightly scripted type of podcast, this is not going to be. As you can see, I've got an outline, so I'm not just going off the cuff. But again, I want this to be a little bit more raw, a little bit more transparent, and just see what comes out of it. So some overarching themes for myself in 2024, I've had a couple weeks here where I've had time to just decompress, think a little bit more, getting up a little bit earlier has helped, but just trying to figure out, okay, what do I really want to get out of? Not just this year, but in the the months and years to come. And a couple of things came to mind. Number one, I feel best when I'm helping more people. And sometimes that's my people. That's always my people, right? Like my wife, my kids, but an extension of that is helping people like you. Right. And so I know I've talked about this before, but I want to reiterate this. There is these concentric circles that I tend to think of with regards to life and to performing at my best and probably your best. The smallest circle is you, right? You have to take care of yourself first and you'll see that theme throughout, but you got to take care of yourself first. You got to take care of the people closest to you second. Friends, family, loved ones. And then from there, it's, you know, whoever is in that next or extended circle. So for me, it would go myself, my family, the people that I coach and work with every day. And then obviously people such as yourself that listen to my podcast, watch my videos, are just interested in what I'm doing. So one of my overarching themes is to just help more people get what they want in 2024. And I think it's very much this servant based attitude where if I can help more people achieve their goals, ultimately I'm going to feel better. I'm going to, you know, enjoy life more. And, you know, like at the end of the day, when you run a business, part of your business is making money. So if I can help more people achieve better, success or achieve their goals. Ultimately, that allows me to feel a greater sense of pride. It allows me to feel more successful and it allows me to make more money as a business owner. So that's number one is trying to help people or help more people get what they want in 2024. And second is always making sure that I value my time and energy in the process. And it's this weird dichotomy because I love helping people. Like when I am helping people, when I'm coaching, when I'm creating content, I have this influx of energy, right? And I can go and go. But on the flip side of that, I have to make sure that I'm respecting and valuing my own time as well, because I have this addictive personality where it's I want to do more, right? Especially when it comes to work. Oh, I'm here. Let's do more. Let's shoot more content. Let's write more articles. Let's create more podcasts, But sometimes that's not always the best use of my time. And as you'll probably be able to tell, having some downtime for me is very restorative, very uh, rejuvenating. And it allows me to create better content, allows me to reconnect and focus on what's most important. So it's this overarching theme of trying to help as many people as possible while valuing my time and taking care of myself in the process. So, again, thinking in these circles like personally, what do I need to do? What is my vision for myself? And I think this is gonna be fun because there's really two parts to this. I'm thinking about like the physical part of Mike Robertson and then the mental side of this. And the vision that I have for myself, and I've had this for years, I would say this has probably been going on at least the last 10 years now, but this idea of lean, athletic, and strong. I don't need to be the leanest the most athletic or the strongest, but some blend of these physical qualities. So try and slide this over here because I don't know how big this is going to be. And this is where things get fun is I love mind maps because it helps you really form these connections and it helps you figure out, okay, that's great. Why is that important? And I think the why is something we have to connect with. I've talked about this so many times on this show when somebody new comes to you and they're you're you know, talking about goals, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to bench press 300. One of the first things you should be asking them is why or so that. So you get to that, that deeper meaning, right? It's more than just, hey, I want to drop 20 pounds. It's I want to drop 20 pounds so that uh, I feel more confident in a swimsuit or so that my pants fit better. And generally that goes even deeper, right? Because ultimately you want to be more confident. But for me, Why do I want to be lean, athletic, and strong? Number one, I want to be able to physically be able to meet the demands of my family, right? So if Kendall wants to go kick a soccer ball around or do her conditioning workout, I can do that. If Cade's baseball team needs me to throw batting practice for an hour, I can do that. And luckily for me, those were real things that happened last year, and I could check those boxes. So that's a really satisfying feeling. So I want to be able to meet the needs and the demands of my family. I love being able to demo activities for my athletes, and I always joke around like I'm not going to be the fastest or the most explosive, uh, especially at 45, but I can demo basically anything. I can demo an acceleration, uh, a hip turn, a back pedal, I can demo any exercise that I'm going to prescribe for an athlete in the gym with a certain level of proficiency, so that's important. Couldn't always do that when I was powerlifting. You know, when, you know, you're moving like a block of concrete and somebody wants you to, you know, do a hip turn or they want you to be able to do a clean front squat, probably not happening, or at least not to the the level of proficiency that I would have liked for me being able to demo activities, very important. And, you know, for me, just, I want to move and feel better. I think this is just like part of the longevity side of me coming out here. I don't have these same strength goals that I'd had in the past like squat 500 or deadlift 500 you know when I move in and feel better everything in my life is better I can go do anything at any point in time play laser tag go on a hike you know go swimming whatever my kids and my family want to do I can do those things I just feel better overall and again just this idea of longevity and aging you know I think this is really at the forefront for a lot of us in this industry and definitely For a lot of the people we work with you know i don't want to get too many tangents on this show but if you work with gen pop clients i would be using the term longevity in all of your marketing because people that want longevity are generally more health conscious they're generally more affluent and ultimately they're willing to pay you to help them live a longer and healthier life so that's some of the why but even after you've identified the why now you got to create an action plan so how am i going to do that I think of my training like my RTS annual program. And if you're unfamiliar with that, this is not a sales pitch because I'm done selling it. (laughs) And even if I do something like it in the future, it's not gonna be as it currently stands now. But the RTS annual program is basically this 12 month program where every three months we shift or change the emphasis slightly. Because unless you're a power lifter and you wanna just you know bang weights 12 months straight, In a lot of cases, as we get older, we have this confluence of goals. We want to, you know, be relatively lean and have a certain level of strength or a certain level of, you know, conditioning or athleticism. And I always tell people, you can do all those things, but you can't build all of those physical qualities at the same time. What you do instead is you rotate the emphasis over the course of the year. For me, this first phase, this first three-month block that I'm in is really focused on mobility, general fitness, and endurance. You know, when I'm recapturing mobility, uh, the same thing here. This is the overarching theme. And then the goals are recapture mobility, improve HRV, move and feel well. And the way I like to break these down is a blend of process and outcome-based goals. I'm sure you probably heard of both of these, but the great thing about process-focused goals is that you can tether yourself to the doing. And what I mean by that is I can't control at the end of the day, whether my HRV ends up in the 80s, all right? So that's an outcome-based goal. My HRV is in the 80s, or I'm sub-10% body fat, whatever your goals are. So it's okay to have those outcome-based goals, and I have one, as you can see here. But the process goals are things that you can take pride in the fact that you're doing every day, right? Or you're doing on a regular basis. For me, my process goal in this regard is to train five days a week, and again, train, you can put it in air quotes. It's not like I'm just blaring Pantera, crushing Red Bulls and squatting massive weights, but the idea of training with an emphasis on general strength and power development. So that's been like the big focus for me to start this year. And trust me, <laughs> I'm trying to change some of these internal narratives because I don't love conditioning. I don't love endurance-based training, but trying to find ways to do that. And I actually shot a YouTube video about this a couple weeks ago about ways to get your zone two training in. And I'm following that playbook. You know, I'm just trying to find ways where I can consistently check the box, make my conditioning and my endurance-based training focus so that ultimately, hopefully, I can get my HRV in the 80s. So that's what my training looks like right now. Nutrition, you know, I love this term of video shoot ready. 365. And I'm not trying to be like the Athlean guy. Shout out props to him. I don't know his real name or can't think of his real name. That dude shredded like good for you. I don't know if I need to be that lean all the time. But part of the reason I originally hired Cody McBroom and Trevor Ratsky from Taylor coaching method was uh, we had these video shoots that I was doing for my basketball guys. This was a couple years ago now and they would do this blend of okay video content and then they would take still shots so i could always have good content to put up on the site and on the page and man there are some pretty unflattering photos you know I was just like a little bit heavier than i would have liked and especially with the influx of video content that i'm trying to create shooting youtube videos every week i want to have this mindset of hey man if i need to go shoot a video right i'm off somewhere presenting you know, I've taken care of myself and I look presentable and I can go and I can chew a a good video. And, you know, there's minimal hate (laughs) coming from the internet trolls. And I love this quote from Don Saladino. I'm not going to give you the actual quote, but Don was talking about, you know, helping actors create these physical transformations. And he said something that was really enlightening to me. He said, look, you know, even if they have these prosthetic suits, right? And they look jacked and they've got huge muscles. It's not just about what the suit looks like. It's about the man or the woman in the suit and how they feel and the confidence levels that they exude. And I thought that was such a profound statement. I never would have thought of it like that because, you know, if you've got a Superman suit or a Batman suit or Thor, whatever, and you're jacked right? To all of us, you look jacked and amazing, but you haven't done the physical work and the mental work to feel that way in the suit. Man, that really shifted the way I thought about things. So that video shoot 365 ready is something that is, I, I'm just going to tether myself to, because I think it also just gives me this constant check and balance of making sure that I'm taking care of both my training and my nutrition. You know, Just some insight. Uh, I worked with Trevor... I believe was last year, year and a half ago now. And originally, I think I was down like 17, 16, 17 pounds, very happy with that change. But also I wasn't training the way that I would have liked at that point in time. So I didn't necessarily like the look that I had going at that point. So currently I'm 10, minus 10, minus 12 pounds, definitely happy with where I'm at right now. You know, again, it's this dichotomy of being happy with where you're at, Yeah, absolutely. If I changed nothing else about my physique or my training or my nutrition, I'd probably be okay with it. But also this aspiration of, oh, but if I want to, there's definitely room for improvement. And I think that's something that we can all take away of being enough and being okay with where we're at while also, okay, but if I want to get better for my own benefit, that's great too. So down 10 after working with them, very happy with the process and the results. So for me, it's all about having this consistent approach to nutrition. It's not necessarily having cheat days per se. You know, if I want to go have pizza with my family on Friday night, a lot of times we do pizza movie night. Great, let's do it. Uh, If I want to have ice cream because the kids got straight A's, that happened uh, in the fall. Super proud of them. Yeah, let's go have ice cream tonight. No big deal. And just having this general goal of 85 to 90% compliance to my nutritional program. And I think, you know, John Birdie used to say, if you're locked in 80 to 90% of the time, you're doing okay. I think that's just a great general goal for us to have with our nutrition. And then last but not least, recovery. And I think this is something that I need to focus on. I need to emphasis or emphasize because for me, sleep has always been hit or miss. It's if I'm not really pushing certain areas of my life, like if I'm not pushing my training, if I'm not pushing some of the bigger content, if I'm not creating a course, or I'm not creating my program design mentorship, it's really easy to sleep. I'm like a lot more relaxed and chill. But the goal is to try and find, okay, if I am switched on, and my brain's really working at 100%, how do I pair the recovery with that? Because that's been a struggle for me over the years, or if I'm really crushing training, you know, you're locked in, you feel good, Okay, but now how do I pair the recovery with that and make sure I get the best of both worlds? So, a couple goals I have for myself improving sleep quantity. And again, it's this push pull between my work goals and my life and my recovery. So, trying to find that balance is important. And a couple strategies I came up with. First off, When I'm at my best, I get up a little bit earlier than everybody else. And it's been hard because Cade gets up really early for school, early for me, right? He's got to be up at 640, which means if I want to get something done in the morning and move the needle in my work, my life, my business, I got to be up probably 545 or 6. That at least gives me this 30, 45 minute, maybe an hour window to get some things done before anybody else does. I just said I got to sleep more. So how do I find that balance? I just need to shift everything earlier. Right. So I got to start my bedtime routine earlier. I need to go to bed earlier so that ultimately if I do those things, I can get up a little bit earlier and get that really great start to my day. So a couple things to help keep me in check here. A process goal is to track my HRV with Morpheus daily. So if you're unfamiliar with Morpheus, it is Joel Jameson's training and HRV app. Uh, I use it regularly. I'm right now, I'm pretty locked in, man. I'm doing my HRV every day. I'm tracking all my conditioning workouts because again, I really want to make sure that I I do whatever I can to bump my HRV score up. This not only is tracking it, but it's giving me real-time feedback and it helps keep me honest and accountable. And I think that's something that, You'll see as a constant theme throughout this show is finding ways to be honest with yourself and hold yourself accountable. So my process goal is to track my HRV with Morpheus daily. And the outcome goal here would be to get seven and a half to eight hours of sleep every night. So that is the physical side. Very quickly, let's talk about the mental side because this is obviously a hot topic. Why? Why do I need to be locked in mentally? and i think there's a couple reasons here number one being there for the people who need me and i know i've talked about this on the show sometimes superficially but let's just be honest here being an entrepreneur is incredibly challenging and if you've never worked for yourself uh, if you've never been tasked to be the sole provider to know that everything rests on you. That is incredibly stressful. I can lead to a lot of anxiety and just let it be known. Like A lot of times I think the grass is always greener, right? So if you work for somebody else, you clock in, you clock out, you think your boss is a jerk. I get it, I've been there, but just know and understand that there's a whole nother set of obligations and stressors when you work for yourself. And so trying to cast that aside, or manage that better so that ultimately I can be there for the people who need me most. And especially the last four to six months, there's just been a lot going on. And I'll talk about it more later in the show, but like changing the gym, the structure and format of the gym, we're moving the gym slash constructing. Again, I've talked about this on the show before, but like the world's worst online client and the world's worst breakup with an online client. There's just stressors and things that happen in life. And so being able to weather those storms and move forward and continue to know, okay, what's my North star? What are the things that are most important for me? And, you know, by extension, who are the people that are most important to me? Who really needs my time and energy and attention? And being able to narrow your scope and say, okay, all this other stuff, not that important, but this stuff or these people, very important there's being there for the people who need me. I've got really big goals. As you can see for this year, there's a lot of this mind map that we haven't gotten to yet, but I've got some really big goals and dreams and aspirations for this year. Some really you know, important things that are not pushing me forward that are pulling me forward. And that makes me excited. And then, you know, why is the mental side important? And I was reading this book. If you have not read The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's a fantastic book. And I think a lot of the thoughts and a lot of the messages that come from that book go well beyond money. One of the things that Morgan talks about in this book is this concept of optimism. And I have always fancied myself as an optimist and his definition of it really brought it together. Now, before I talk about optimism, let's talk about pessimism, because it's weird. A lot of times people are drawn to pessimists. They're drawn to the news and scare tactics and fear mongering. Oh, my gosh, all these bad things are going to happen. Whereas optimism tends to get cast aside or tends to get glossed over. Or what people assume is that an optimist is somebody that's just, eh, you know, they're pie in the sky. They think everything's going to work out. You can do nothing and everything's going to be okay. And household talks about, no, that's absolutely not what an optimist is. What an optimist actually believes is that things will generally get better over time. And I thought that was such a brilliant way of stating it. That a thousand percent explains the way I look at my life, my coaching, my relationships is that You know, ups and downs, absolutely. Good days, yes. Bad days, yes. But ultimately, over time, things are going to be on this upward trend. And so for me, maintaining that optimism as I age, uh, as I deal with difficult situations, I think is incredibly important. And it's a key component of who I am as a human being. So making sure I don't lose track of that. So that's my why on the mental side. How do I go about doing that mindset meditation? I just talk about like mental cleansing. Uh, For me, that could be taking my dog on a walk and something I've started doing lately, you know, for a long time, I would like listen to podcasts or listen to music. And there are still times that I do that depending on the day. But for me, sometimes it's just getting out of the house with Finn for 30 minutes, being in nature, no music, no stimulation, just my thoughts, time to cleanse and process the goings of the day makes me a much better human on the back end. So this idea of cleansing, you know, taking time to reset and refocus. And then, you know, especially when it comes, I got ahead of myself. Sorry. <laughs> we'll come back to the, the daily walks in nature. But when it comes to meditation, this is something that I struggled with for many years and just couldn't make consistent. I tried different programs and, you know, resources and it just didn't work couldn't make it work, maybe didn't see the value or wasn't tethered to a goal strongly enough. But again, when it comes to meditation specifically, you need to find what works for you. Maybe that's transcendental meditation, um, which is like a paid like little course that you can do. Maybe it's an app. There's some fantastic apps out there, whether we're talking about Headspace, Calm, Waking Up. You know, you just got to figure out what works best for you. What worked best for me was I started with Headspace. I had a friend on there, Sandy. Thank you, Sandy, for getting me started on that path and that journey. And, you know, I thought, oh, man, I got to be 15, 20 minutes a day or it's not valuable. And I remember Sandy early on was like, you know, they have one minute meditations, right? So it was just building that habit muscle. And so days, even I didn't want to meditate. You got a minute. You have a minute to go in and meditate. And so I started doing that. And now it's just there's a rhythm and a cadence to this for me. And it just gives me that time to reset and refocus. I try and do it midday because it breaks my day up. It helps balance my energy. And ultimately, you know, if I've got stuff to do in the afternoon, whether it's recording a podcast, coaching people, being there for my family, meditation allows me to do that. So that's a big piece of my daily puzzle. And then obviously the daily walks in nature, kind of talked about that a little bit, but just trying to get out in nature, no phone, no stimulation, just me and the nard dog hanging out, you know, even when it's crummy out, you know, I'm not perfect about this, but trying to do this as many days as possible. And the other nice thing about this, excuse me as well, is that when you talk about like body comp goals, this is just easy exercise, right? Like I get a decent amount of steps, just coaching, working, being on my feet, but being able to get out and just get an extra two to 3000 steps. And it's not stressful. You know, I'm in nature. It helps me decompress, decompress and relax. I think there's a lot of benefit and a lot of merit to that. So that is the personal vision. So I appreciate you guys listening to that because I think it's important. And I think you guys need to have your own personal vision for who you are and where you wanna be in life. So now that we've covered that, let's talk about these other branches. So let's talk about RTS. And my vision here is simple, right? You're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast. You read my newsletters, hopefully watch my videos. And one of the things that I'm really focused on in 2024 is trying to create content that meets coaches wherever they're at in their journey. Here's what I mean by that. If you coach long enough, right? Let's assume this is a timeline, right? This is where you're starting coaching. The longer you coach, the further you get away from this starting point. Okay. So for me, you know, when I'm creating content three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, I'm moving further away from where I actually started at because I've got experiences. I've got more education. I've seen and done more things. So what that does is I have this incredible amount of, I would like to think, experience. Uh, expertise, knowledge. But my experience is so much further away at 23 years in than where I started. So what I wanna try and do, especially over this year, is create content that meets people where they're at. You know, I'm sure people that have done this 20, 30 years and they see a YouTube video on hip mobility and they're rolling their eyes. Oh, why is Mike creating a, a hip mobility video or a foot and ankle mobility video? Look, I know there's more to it, than doing these seven hip mobility drills. But you know who doesn't? The 23 year old trainer that just wants to get a better start, they wants to help their client with lower back pain or has this aching lower back or knee issue that they want to solve. You see where I'm going with this? It's not for us to say, oh, I know all these things, I'm so smart, why are you not where I'm at? Because they don't have 23 years of continuing education, of experience, of knowledge. I want to create some content for that entry-level coach, that entry-level trainer that's just getting started in the industry. And so if you've been doing this 15, 20 years, is it beneath you? Maybe. But for that person, it's meeting them where they're at, and it brings them into my world. And hopefully now I can educate them. I can fast-track them. Because imagine if you find Eric Cressy when you're 22, or you find Stuart McGill or Bill Hartman or any of these other world-class experts, imagine finding them at 22 and allowing them to coach and mentor you. How much faster do you become great? Instead of taking 23 years, what if I can help somebody get to where I'm at in five or 10? Dude, I literally either halved or quartered the amount of time it takes for them to be an elite coach. So that's a big part of this for me. And it doesn't mean I'm just creating this, right? Especially with the cert. The cert is something that, you know, probably need to be in the game for a couple years. You need to have some failures before you realize, oh, there's more to this than I thought from, you know, the standard certification that I have. There's more to it. There's levels. And then to like the highest level stuff, which is my program design mentorship. This is like a deep dive. So the goal is to create content for all these different tiers and levels of coaches to try and meet them where they're at, to help educate them and push the industry forward. So, as far as ongoing content, you know, articles, videos, podcasts, you know, back in the day, I could just write an article. And I actually got an email the other day from an editor of a very major online coaching website, right? Like one of the most popular in the world. And they're like, yeah, the days of 6,000 word articles are done. Sad. It makes me sad because I love to write. But it's also why I started to diversify my content years ago. So when it comes to my articles, look, the article game needs work. How I envision creating articles in the future is going to be vastly different, probably shorter, sweeter, more like the old school blog, if you will, where, hey, man, you can read it very quickly, you know, on a quick break. And you can take hopefully one or two actionable things away. Um, The goal is still one solid article per month. And maybe if I do a longer article, it's going to be a mix of, Hey, here's some words and text, and then some videos sprinkled in to help support the points and hopefully engage the readers a little bit more. So articles, just being honest, I know people love them. I know that's why a lot of people came to me originally, but it's getting harder and harder to create that kind of content. Um, On my side, it's just more time consuming. And second, I'm not sure I get the ROI on the articles anymore that I used to. So Articles, still something I love to do, but probably not in, you know, great frequency. As far as videos go, videos are just such a unique and different way to connect with an audience. And I love videos uh, because, again, I can, it takes a little bit more time. If I gave you the real ins and outs of what it looks like for Paul and I to create a video now, it definitely takes more time than you would think. But it allows us to connect In unique ways and allows me to show you visually things that I'm doing. It allows me to coach and cue on the fly or show you what half kneeling should look like versus what it shouldn't look like. So I really enjoy that aspect of it. It's great for visual learners. I'm a very visual person. That's why I coach people for a living, because I love observing. And then, okay, what can I do to make this person shake and move the way that I want? For me, it's drawing this line and having this distinction of, I create content for YouTube, but I'm not a YouTube content creator. And I hope that makes sense because I've studied YouTube enough and the people that are really serious and really deep in that game, I have no desire to do that. Like literally zero desire. I don't want to, you know, AB test 60 thumbnails to figure out which one is best. I don't want to take 10 hours writing a, a video script just to make sure I have the best cadence in the right tonality and inflection. Like, I just, I don't care enough about that. And I'd like to think that people that are watching this, hopefully, people such as yourself, respect the fact that, hey, I'm a coach. I'm trying to share my experience with you. Hopefully, that makes you a better trainer, coach, or athlete as a result. And, and it's really enlightening too, because as I've started to crank this up more, as I've started to try and create more content, you just don't know what's going to hit. Maybe the best of the best do. I'm sure Mr. Beast knows, oh, this is going to crush. <laughs> Definitely not Mr. Beast. But, you know, this hit mobility video that I talk about, you know, it was interesting because literally I couldn't believe what was happening. The first day it had 500 views. The second day it had 2,000. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. That's a great video for me. And I woke up the next morning, I'm having breakfast with Kendall and it's 14,000 views. Whoa what happened? And then I went into work an hour later and it had 32,000 views. Next thing I know, like literally every time I'd swipe, it was getting like 10, 15, 50 views at a clip. So that's how totally unbeknownst to me, you get a 319,000 person viewership on a YouTube video. Don't know why, don't know how it happened versus the stuff that I'm like, oh, this is amazing content right? I created this like bench press alternatives video. Hey, you can't bench press. Here is a regression to help you figure out what you can do. And it was a lot. There was like 11 different exercises and Paul and I are like setting up. We're in the rack. We're out of the rack. We're on the floor. You know, I'm coaching G through all these videos. I'm like, this is a fire video. This is so good. This is so helpful. I wish I would have had this when I was a young trainer or coach. Yeah. Bro got 600 views so bad. So you just don't know. So the process goal here is simple. I'm going to keep creating one video a week. That's why I told Paul one year we are going to create one video a week and we're going to see what happens. And I'm proud of myself because I've had this goal before. Maybe not stated this clearly. It was like, yeah, I think I want to create a video, you know? And yeah, I'll probably drop it every week, but we'd come in he'd shoot like 12 videos all in one day. We'd post them. You know one a week and then i'd stop i'd be like i don't have anything else to say that's it you know so this is fun because it forces me to constantly come up with good ideas try and find topics or ideas that are relevant to you the trainer coach athlete person that's listening to this show so that is a challenge and obviously if you ever have ideas insights things you're struggling with let me know shoot me an email drop a content (laughs) drop a comment on the youtube page i would love to hear What would be impactful for you or what would move the needle for you? Yeah, that's where I'm at with videos. It's fun, it's a new challenge and it's a different way to connect with my audience. Podcasts, this has been an insightful experience because I've been thinking a lot about the podcast and we've had highs, we've had lows, You know, we've had 50K download months. When I was starting, we had three or 4,000. And trust me, it's really hard to create a show and keep yourself engaged when you're getting 3000 listens a month. You're like, it (laughs) sucks, you know? And my original goal was to just find this blend of high level, like high level, you don't want, I don't want to call them influencers, but just like fitness celebrities, right? Like Eric Cressy, brilliant coach, but he's also like a fitness celebrity. So you can find the people like him or or Kelly Storette, you know, these people that have big audiences, but they're also very sharp, uh, Versus just like also finding this blend of, hey, man, who's the person at like the NAIA, NAIA college or the D3 school? Uh, they're the only strength coach on staff. They work with 19 different teams. I'm thinking of Steve Barrett at University of Indianapolis, if you're wondering. But like, how do we find this blend of people that gives a really unique and broad perspective on the fitness industry? And so that was the original goal. And you know, 2023 was a really good year, but it was also a really illustrative year. And and it really helped me rethink what I want the show to be and what I want it to look and feel like going forward. So this last year, we crossed 400 episodes, pretty huge mark. Uh, I don't think I have it noted here, but we started the video podcast too. So this was not really a thing the year prior. But again, seeing kind of the push and the influx of video podcasts, I think this would be valuable, but also just, you also get like little chunks of content. So when I have a guest on, now we can cut that up. We got two or three little snippets of the show that could, you know, just be IG reels or they could be YouTube shorts. So that was an added bonus. And I think I'm going to try and start adding in transcriptions this upcoming year as well. So again, just trying to think of ways that we can tweak the show, but hey, we hit 400. We're closing in on two and a half million downloads, which is crazy to think about. Something else that's very cool is that Blueberry, the software that I use to manage and host my show, shows that out of my episodes, 93% are what they would describe as impactful plays. 93 out of 100 people that listen to the show, listen to more than 75% of the show. So I don't know about you. That seems pretty darn cool. That means you're not just coming on. Sorry, if I'm rambling (laughs) on this one, the the impactful plays are going to be awful. But, you know, look, when you're listening to this show, you're listening to almost the whole thing. So that shows me there is impact. There is value being driven. So I love that. But one of the things that happens over the course of 400 episodes, can't do 400 of anything and not have a couple stinkers. And, you know, I just started to think back on, hey, man, what were like the worst episodes? What were the shows where I was like, this this is just bad? Maybe it was just somebody going on tangents. Maybe it was somebody trying to fulfill uh, an agenda. And so I really started to think about, okay, how can I make this show the best possible podcast. That's always my filter. How can I make this the best health coach training podcast there is? And so it made me think about what I'm calling the top 50 exercise. And the top 50 exercise is basically if I could pick 50 of the absolute best experts in the world, who would they be? Like people I could have on the show every single year, and we could talk about either the same topic or a slightly different topic, but man, it would be a killer show. You'd be taking notes the whole time. They are engaging, they're great communicators, they're sharp, who would I pick? And so this is a project that I've been working on and you know maybe I'll share it down the line, something to tease that out a little bit. But I'm working on this as we speak and as I'm going through, I'm getting a really clear view on, okay, even if I interviewed the same 50 people every year, who would those be and why would it be them? What makes them unique? And then I'm not saying I'm only gonna interview 50 people the rest of my podcasting journey because I don't think that's the case, but those people will be major players. They will be on the show with regularity. And you know, when I think about like an Eric Cressy, Eric and I were just texting the other day, he's gonna be back on later on uh, a couple weeks here, but Eric Cressy can come on my show every year, and I would have zero issue with that because he's world-class. He's a great human being. He's getting better every single day. So much respect for what he does. Eric Cressy, Lee Taft. Lee Taft has probably been on six or seven times now. I've never had a bad show with Lee. He's brilliant. He is always thinking about ways to improve speed training. If anybody could kick back and relax and just rest on their laurels and not get any better, it's Lee Taft right? He has absolutely changed the game with the way we think about multi-directional speed training, but he doesn't. That's why I want him on the show. Bill Hartman, Joel Jameson, Luca Hasavar. These are people, Joe Kinn, these are people that can come on my show any day of the week, and I can guarantee you it's going to be an absolute banger. So my goal for this year is simple. It's always my goal, but I want to make it even more amazing. This year. So the goal is one amazing podcast episode per week. And remember, this is my little nudge to you, friendly podcast listener. If you enjoy the show, man, it it means a lot. If you share it, share it with a friend, loved one, colleague, athlete, trainer, coach, rehab professional. I don't care who you share it with, but get them on board, get them excited about what we're doing, because I think this is going to be a really good year. For the free content. So that's ongoing content projects. All right, let's talk about the RTS website. I want to make an update. I don't know if it's going to be 2024 because good web people, good website design is not cheap. <laughs> but I want to make some updates. The site looks great. It's incredibly functional, but there are a few things that I would like to tweak, enhance, remodel going forward. So that's something that's on my radar. I believe it's next week. I've got a call with my past with my website developer, just to start that process and just get a feel for, okay, how much is this gonna cost? What do we want it to look like? How are we gonna revamp it? Just to make it more streamlined, more organized. Again, I think it's seven or eight years old. I don't know, maybe more, it's been a little while, but just trying to find ways to make the website more appealing. And, you know, the business side of running a business, you know, nobody likes to talk about this. I'm just, I'm over this. At this point, I own a business. So part of my job is to make money. It's not the only job. It's not my North Star metric, as Dan Uemura would call it. My North Star metric is to help people and ultimately help people get better results. As a side effect of that, I need to be paid. I need to be compensated. That's part of it. A couple things that I have on my list to do this year. Number one, that longevity video. If you didn't watch Luca, Joel, and I's Fit for Life streaming online virtual summit, I have my actual longevity video. So I'm going to be putting that up on the site, super cheap, like 47 bucks. So if you want to have some insights as to how I write programs for Gen Pop clients that want to live longer, live healthier lifestyles, maintain speed, strength, power, conditioning, all those physical qualities we talked about, I'm going to post that. And again, it's going to be super cheap. And the other part of this is just aligning myself with trusted brands and partners. So you can see my guys talking here, had an amazing call with them last week. Can't really talk about what we're doing yet. Super secret stuff, but just trying to align myself with other brands, with other companies that are reflective of the morals, the values and the standards. So just really excited about some of the brand partnerships. I think you're gonna see coming out of RTS in 2024. So that's exciting. The website's going to get revamped. Program design mentorship, man, I'm absolutely loving this. I have been teasing the content a little bit on the IG stories. Man, this is, it's hard in one sense because it's a lot. Taking all of the things that you've thought about and accumulated and implemented over 23 years, but then trying to take it, bottle it up, streamline it, organize it, and then teach it to somebody else can be challenging, can be really challenging. You know, things that I intuitively do when I'm writing a medicine ball program or a jump training program or a speed and agility program, it's all power stuff because that's the focus of this month's training module. But taking all this and then synthesizing it, boiling it down, and then making it something logical for another coach to understand is challenging, but it's incredibly rewarding. And I actually started this program, I think I first ran it five or six years ago. It was incredibly successful. Honestly, not even sure why I stopped doing it um, because it was incredibly well received. I felt like all the people that went through that program were so much better at writing programs when they were done. Um, but the fact that I did take a break, I think was valuable because it allowed to, it allowed me some time to create distance between myself, the product, between who I was and where I'm at now is a coach. So I'm basically, I've blown the whole thing up and I'm recreating it on the fly. So I'm just calling this the Program Design Mentorship 2.0. But man, it's been really good. It's been impactful for me as a content creator, as a coach, helping me just better understand why I do things and helping me better explain why I do things. And ultimately what's more important is helping the trainers and coaches who are part of this mentorship get better and ultimately write better programs. If that's something you're interested in, very soft pitch. The next group will start in May. You will start hearing about it in late March or early April. So definitely something to have on your radar. And then for me, man, bulletproof knees 2.0. I'm just putting this out there in the universe. It's happening. And I just think back to, I think it was 2007 when I created the first one. I was like, I don't know. People really want like an entire manual on knee training would people even bother reading that? And let's just say 1.0 did. Okay. I was very shocked, very surprised because it was very much a pet project, but 1.0 did okay with regards to just the finished product, the reviews, the response that I got from it. Some of the doors that it opened for me professionally, I think were very important. In fact, I don't know if I would have had any soccer players ever if it hadn't been for bulletproof knees 1.0, because a guy named Danny O'Rourke from the Columbus crew started coming to IFAS because of that. And the trickle-down effect I got from having Danny O'Rourke in my gym just can't be comprehended. Danny, shout out to you, my guy, if you ever hear this. But ultimately, look, there's so many people with knee issues, whether we're talking gin pop clients, whether we're talking athletes, there's a lot of people dealing with knee issues. And I don't claim that this will be the be-all, end-all, but I think it'll give a lot of unique insights into why people struggle with knee pain, the approach that I use to deal with it. It's not one tip or one trick or one exercise. It's this very holistic rounded approach to understanding movement, to training more effectively. Yeah, it's been a while, man, I think 16 years now since I created that product. Needless to say, my programming has evolved a little bit since then. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like. So my goal here. Is a December launch. Now, that may be ambitious, simply because my timeline is, you know, spring finish all of the program design mentorship materials. Summer is coaching, right? That's when my basketball players are here. My kids are out of school. Any extra work outside of uh, coaching and the ongoing content probably isn't happening. I can't take on extra projects. You know, really thinking in September. I'm already synthesizing and bringing all the materials together, collecting information. So I'm collecting all the pieces now. So if I can start in September and I don't have anything else distracting me, we can look at a December launch. Definitely stay tuned for more information on that. If you have other questions, let me know. Now let's talk IFAST. Vision for IFAST. World-class hybrid training and coaching gym. What does that mean? We don't have coaches per se anymore. I don't employ coaches at IFAST. Now, the caveat here is that I don't want just anybody training at IFAST, right? The guy that comes in and does the exact same workout with 80-year-old Grandma Betty and the 50-year-old CEO executive and the 15-year-old volleyball player. I don't want that person in my gym. So, The goal is to find really great coaches. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I want really great coaches and also probably some hybrid open gym membership as well. Um, So when I'm thinking of coaches, I'm just thinking about the next wave of savages. And reflecting on what Bill and I created at IFAST is, is pretty special. Not just amazing coaches, but like truly amazing human beings that are continuing to make an impact in our industry. Like I couldn't be more proud of our internship program of the coaches that grew out of the iFast model, like truly amazing. And, And it makes me so appreciative of the people I've been around and supported by over the years, but, but models, different models, different now. So I don't have the time really. I don't have the willingness to, deal with employees. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Like you can love all the coaches and all the trainers, but the stress of having employees, is somebody going to leave? Is somebody going to be sick for a week? You know, the days of me being able to come in and cover, you know, two shifts a day, you know, five days a week, just not realistic anymore because I have too many other expectations and and too many other things that are taking my time. So my goal is to find this next wave of savages that are independent contractors that I still help mold and model. Like I want these people to have access to me, like whether it's monthly meetings, getting them access to the complete coach cert, making them members of IFAST university. We're going to find ways to find the right people and and mold them as much as we can. I don't expect carbon copy clones of myself or Bill or the other coaches that have been through the IFAST program, but People that just want to get better. That's what it comes down to coaches that realize they're not a finished product and want to get better. So how do we do that? One, I'm going to create an affordable yet robust space. We're not going to be the cheapest option. If you're an independent contractor, I know there are cheaper spaces in Indy. Like I know it for a fact. I know what this market looks like now. It took me a little while to figure this game out, but I'm starting to figure it out. Look, you can go pay 500 bucks and have a little space like this room and only be able to do one-on-one private training. That's great. You're gonna pay a little bit more probably to work out of IFAST, but you're gonna be around other savages. You're gonna be around a great community. You're gonna have access to turf. You're gonna be able to work in small group formats to where you can have little groups of you know, fat loss clients together or young athletes together. So I wanna create this affordable yet robust space that people can come and use. The continuing education is a big piece of this. I don't want people that, you know, think they're a finished product. Oh, I got my cert. I'm good. Like, I know what I'm doing. No, like those people aren't a good fit at IFAST and they will never be a good fit at IFAST. And I'm okay saying that, right? Because, you know, while not perfect, I'd like to think we hold ourselves to a little bit higher standard. Helping them with business development. This is one of the biggest things that I've learned as I've started to dip my toe into this space is that a lot of these people just don't have the business acumen, right? They don't know where to get insurance from. They don't know what kind of business type to set up. They don't know how much to charge. They don't know who to have run their taxes. So trying to help mold and steer them in the right direction from a business perspective is important as well. And then the goal, you know, I would love to have six to eight high level coaches at the gym. For end users, because I think we are gonna open this up to some level of uh, you know people that just want to come and have a gym membership well i want to have a really awesome gym and again coming back to this idea of partnerships i want to find uh, an equipment manufacturer that wants to work with us that would love to represent and partner with the rts and IFAS brands uh, because i think great equipment is important right if you come into IFAS now and you're paying for coaching or training you don't care that You know, Hey man, these dumbbells are old or this rack, you know, was in (laughs) Mike's garage in like 2007. Like they don't care about that stuff, but you know, if you are appealing to a little bit broader audience, maybe it's not the most impactful thing, but if your stuff looks a little bit nicer, it's a little bit newer. It doesn't hurt either. You know, I want to have great equipment. I want to have a clean and inviting training space. Uh, Cleanliness has always been important to me. Something that (laughs) I used to describe it as when we had the old space was that, hey, I want it to feel like a a place where you really come and you put in work and you get better, but it also doesn't feel like a place where you're going to get tetanus or some communicable disease. So that's the the balance and the dichotomy we're working with there. And then I think most important to me is this idea of a family community. One thing that's always been unique about IFAST, we have people of all races, religions, creeds, sexual orientations. It's all over the board. We are a mishmash gym. And it's weird because everybody loves each other. It's not, maybe not kuna Matata, no worries, you know, Kumbaya. It's maybe not that level, but man, everybody that comes in there genuinely likes each other. You know, the conversations, the relationships, the friendships that have come out of IFAST is still mind-blowing to me. So I always want to keep that family community, that family culture where people come in and they feel like, no, this isn't just a gym. I'm part of a community. I'm part of a family when I go to IFAST. So, fun stuff there as far as I go. You know, when it comes to the gym, I need the tools necessary to train basketball players. That's what I do. That's why I got the shirt on. You know, I I have this blend of both healthy and return to play clients that's ongoing uh, because you never know what's going to happen in somebody's season when they're going to have an Achilles issue or a knee issue. So I would love to have just the tools necessary to train my basketball players. There's a couple pieces of equipment i got my eyes on and I want to lock in here before uh, we get too far into the off season. So I want to have those tools. And then I'm really excited about, for me, these performance assessments. And I can see this being something that I do for many years to come. As much as I love coaching, I really enjoy the assessment process and the diagnosing, you know, getting somebody... Um, you know, on a pair of force plates and figuring out, okay, where is this person at? What does their jump look like? What are their asymmetry numbers? What are their performance numbers like? And especially as I get some of these high school and college kids, some of them still need physical outputs. They're not an end product yet. When I've got Ed Sumner, who, you know, is elite by every NBA standard on force plates, not a lot of performance output training that I need to do with him. But some of these younger kids, these developing kids, I need more of that. So a couple of tools I'm looking at, I need some timing gates. I'd love to get an ISO rack, but I think I actually have something that will work better than an ISO rack. So more to come on that as well. But that is iFast, iFast basketball, getting up against the clock here. I don't want to run you guys ragged either. My vision here is simple, right? World-class basketball development. I'm really focused on basketball. I love basketball. Uh, and man, everything just keeps pushing me in this direction. There's been some really cool things uh, that I'll get to talk about more in the coming months that are just constantly pushing me to focus on basketball and emphasize all of my athletic training in that realm. So really the goal here is simple. It's world-class basketball development, right? And using the performance assessment to drive my program design, really started to lock that in last year with the force plates and, you know, doing more integrative work with Hawken. They really helped me out there. So using the performance assessment to drive my programming. And then the other piece of this, especially when you work with professional athletes is finding ways to better integrate and streamline the process. You know, when Ed was with the Nets, a great example would be, you know, he was coming off an Achilles tear and, you know, we started communicating the second Ed got signed. Okay. Hey, Nets family, here are all the things that I'm doing with Ed. And I literally gave them all of the activities, all of the programs for the previous four months, the KPIs that we were using at the time. And so I could send that to them. And then when Ed would come back, they'd say, hey, here are the things that we have found. Here's what we need to see from you. Things that you know we've identified because they have tools that I don't have access to. So they'd say, hey, here are the things that we've identified and found. Can you work on these? Yes, absolutely. And so there's a streamlined and organized process. And that's something I really value and something that, you know, it's not about me and my ego at this point in time. Again, I've done this 23 years. I'd like to think I know a thing or two, but I don't know everything. Hey, let's collaborate. Let's work together because it's not about us. It's about the athlete. So that's my overall vision with my vets. You know, Keelan has been with me seven years now. Glenn has been with me six. Dakota has been with me six. Tay has been with me six. Ed's been with me five. So needless to say, these players, they've been playing professionally for a while now. Like these are good careers, even if they never played another game. And I'd like to think all of them have many good years left. So I'm trying to find this balance of, okay, I always want to take care of my vets. They're my bread and butter, but also this eye to the future. And it's never looking past where you're at now, but just recognizing like, hey, you know, even if somebody plays 20 years, at some point they retire, they hang them up, they don't play basketball anymore. You know, what is the next generation? And this is for, you know, my athletes. I've got a young crop of high school and college age kids that are coming up through the ranks. I'm excited to see where they end up. You know, some of these college dudes I worked with last summer, I think definitely. Can be playing professionally somewhere if not the nba overseas and i got some high school kids that are going to be crushing the college scene either next year or in the years to come so i'm trying to think about okay how do i take care of my athletes how do i also help educate other coaches just so that there's less dumb training in our space i see some really dumb things with basketball players i try and rein it in I try not to let my frustration come out either here or on social media, but man, there's some really dumb stuff. We're talking about people using flywheels. Don't get me wrong. Flywheels are awesome. Buy an X or fly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I see people using flywheel training with high school athletes that can't squat or lunge effectively, like what are we doing? Why are we doing that? It is not giving this kid any positive impact. They can't even do the core foundational movement correctly and now you're adding speed, pace, breaking skills, movement quality that they don't have access to. So that's part of this too, is educating not only my next education, or sorry, not only educating the next level of athletes, but the next level of young coaches. I can see myself doing a little bit more combine and pre-workout prep in the years to come. There's a couple things again that have fallen in my lap. I want to say they've fallen in my lap. I've been prepared and and there's been some relationships and things that have happened that may allow me to do some more of that in the future, which is exciting. But here's my ultimate goal. I don't need 500 basketball players underneath my umbrella. That's not realistic. Really. All I need are eight to 10 really high level players that want to get better and keep in mind high level in and of itself is nebulous and rightfully so. The criteria I've always used when it comes to coaching somebody is that they have to be on an upward trajectory, right? And not even in the sense of their career, right? Because if you're a vet, at some point you start to go down. It's just holding on. It's maintenance. But they have this trajectory and this vision for who they are, the player they want to be, and they're serious about getting better. That's what I mean by having a trajectory. They have a focus. So really excited about the next couple of years for iFast basketball. I think it's going to be very cool. Last but not least, iFastU. Man, I've not talked about this up to this point, but a lot's changed and a lot is going to change. So the vision here is this ongoing and trusted continuing education resource for coaches. When we first started iFastU, it was pretty cool. Like it was Bill and I, the figureheads, because we have to be, because we are iFast. But man, we had Ty Terrell creating content. We had Lance Goyki creating content, Jay Chung, Kirsten Shaw, like all the people that were part of iFast at that point in time were contributing. It was really cool. Like the concept, I don't know if anybody else that was doing it quite like that. Cause we had this really eclectic group of people with all these varied interests at our gym and it allowed for a very creative and unique product. But. That is not the IFAST that we are in right now. So IFast you needs to evolve because the last couple of years has basically just been Bill and I, right? Bill and I doing Q and A's. There's a lot of like old, really foundational, great content in there, but it's not reflective of where we're at now. So needless to say, all caps, so much work. This has been ongoing for probably the last four to five months now, having this new vision, building it out. The current website sucks. I hate it. Everything about it sucks. (laughs) I'm going to fix this. Uh, I am working on it because essentially what we're doing, we're integrating like three different platforms. If you went to ifastuniversity.com right now, there's a a janky sales page. You know, you got to pay through a certain platform and then you got to go to a membership site. But if you want to watch the Zoom calls, you got to go to Zoom. You know, if I want to upload video, it's got to go to Vimeo. If you want to be part of the group, you got to go to the... Facebook page that we have for the group. It's just all over the place and it's like a logistical nightmare. So we're moving everything to circle. We've already done this, but it's going to be more robust in the coming weeks and months. But circle is really great. If you've never seen it, it's like Facebook in the sense that there's the community aspect, but you can build courses on it. You can host Q and A calls there versus having zoom. It just takes all of these different tools that we were using and folds it up under one kind of big umbrella. So really excited about that. We're essentially gonna do two tiers. So there's gonna be a standard tier, which is access to all of the current resources and materials, right? So you wanna go back and watch Bill's mechanical respiration videos, which are foundational breathing videos. Great, it's gonna be there. You wanna watch Ty and Tony talk about velocity-based training. Cool, it's gonna be there. But then we're also what we're gonna do is have one to two new resources per month. So essentially I've highlighted some really great content educators or identified these great content educators that are gonna help us create content for the site going forward. So I'm already in communication with them and essentially there's gonna be one, maybe two new resources every month. It's gonna be a low cost like 47 bucks a month and you're gonna get access to all these amazing older materials as well as new materials every month to help you level up. Because one of the things that I found actually, as I've talked to people that are not part of iFast for you, or they've been part of other like ongoing kind of continuing education products is that there's just too much content. There's too much distraction. There's too many things to think about. So, hey, give me one really good piece every month, 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, something I can sit down, carve out every month, this one hour to focus on this thing and allow me to get better. Great. So that's what we're going to create. I'm sure somebody else will go out and (laughs) try and create it now. But I think that's going to be very, very cool. So it's going to be a lower cost option for people that are just wanting to get started. And they just want to, you know, find a great piece of content every month that's going to move the needle and make them a better trainer or coach. Then the second tier is going to be what we call our elite tier. So you're going to have access to all of the standard stuff, right? The old content, the new content, but you're also just going to have more access to Bill and I, right? And this is going to be a little bit higher price point. We're actually going to make this 197 because, look, Bill and I's time is incredibly valuable. I'd like to think these Q&A calls, if you get on the Q&A calls, this is worth the price of admission every single month. I had a call maybe two months ago now where Matt, one of the, the members of the group, he's been a member for a while now, did Bill's Intensive. He asked this great line of questions. Dude, we basically outlined my entire thought process for jump training, for medicine ball training in one call. So these are incredibly valuable. They are incredibly impactful. So basically you're gonna have all the standard access plus access to Bill and I, all Bill and I's Q&A call replays, just a little bit higher level of access because ultimately, again, I gotta respect my time. And you know, I want the people that are willing to invest in their education to have access to me. I want them to get better. And again, that comes back to that overarching theme of I want more people to get better in 2024 than ever before. So our goal here is simple. February 1, we're launching, (laughs) whether it's ready or not. I got a few things that I need to button up this week. I need to get the next module of the mentorship posted. And then, yeah, the next two weeks, it's just going to be a sprint to finalize all the things for iFastU because very excited about where that's going. Man, I think that does it for today. There was maybe a few more things I wanted to share, but we're like an hour and 10 minutes in. Again, totally different show than what I've done in the past. Very much kind of a brain dump on my end. But I think for you, what are some actionable items? Number one, if you haven't already, get serious about like setting some goals for yourself in 2024. Get clear on what your goals are, why they're important to you, and create some process and outcome goals. I love the process-based stuff because it allows me to feel like I'm moving the needle every week, especially on a big project. If I'm creating this program design mentorship, I need, you know, hey, put in a 30-minute shift every day on this project. You know, at the end of the month, make sure your module is done. There's the outcome-based goal. So I think setting some real goals for yourself that are challenging, that maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable, very important. Dig into your why. Why are they important to you? When things get tough, when you start to struggle, when you want to give up and quit, why are you doing this, right? Tether yourself to that and remind yourself why you're doing these things and then come up with that blend of process and outcome-based goals because, man, as you can see here, it's going to be a big year. No doubt about it. I feel like, I I don't know, something has changed in the last month. I don't know if I've leveled up one level or five, but there's going to be some really cool things happening in 2024. Um, very excited for the future, myself, RTS, IFAST, uh, and whatever you're going to accomplish this upcoming year. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, definitely let me know. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe. If you really like the show and you're already subscribed, share it with a friend, family member, loved one, colleague, whoever would benefit from the show, I would appreciate it more than you know. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.